Since 2007, there has been a long debate on whether this should have won Best Picture over No Country for Old Men. I personally would have given it to No Country for Old Men because I just loved that movie and I loved it the first time I saw it. And I've watched it, oh God, I couldn't tell you how many times, maybe five or six times in the past sort of five to ten years, I reckon. And I just can never get enough of it. Now, that's not to say, however, that this movie did not deserve Best Picture. It is just a film that, unlucky for it, had to go against No Country for Old Men. If it had come out two years earlier, I think it would have won over Crash. If it had come out a year later, I think it should have won over Slumdog Millionaire, even though that's a great film. I just think it was unlucky to come out in the year it did. And typical for Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, he's quite an underappreciated director, in my opinion. But, you know, this is just another case of where he didn't quite get probably what he deserves. But... Like I said, though, it's, it's not like the Coen brothers didn't deserve this any less. You know, it's not like they've already won five Best Picture wins or something. You know, this is their first and only win, uh, Best Picture winners, and they got Best Director for it. They got Best Original, oh, no, Adapted Screenplay, I think. So, you know, look, I think Paul Thomas Anderson was just highly unlucky to come out in the year it did. Um, interestingly, I didn't actually like There Will Be Blood the first time I saw it. The reason being is because I was 10. So as a 10-year-old kid watching this movie, I was I was just bored shitless. I could not get into it at all. But I mean, what do you expect from a 10-year-old? I mean, I was born in 1997, so I watched it in 2007. So, you know, I was absolutely bored shitless of this movie. So that's why I didn't revisit it until I was maybe 18. And then since then, I've watched it maybe three more times. So like I said, it's not I don't love it as much as No Country for All Men, but this movie is absolutely fantastic. And I think even if I wasn't 10 years old the first time I saw it, I didn't appreciate it until the third time I'd seen it. So I didn't like it the first time I saw it when I was 10. When I was about 18, I, you know, I liked it and I was like, oh, this is better than I remember. But the third time I watched it, it really sort of kicked in how great this movie is. Even though as a 10-year-old, I knew Daniel Day-Lewis was acting the crap out of this movie. He is so freaking good, it's just unbelievable. And because of that, there's also been this debate around this movie, whether Paul Dano was a good actor in this movie. I think the circumstances around his casting gave him a horrible job in trying to compete with, well, not compete, but go up against Daniel Day-Lewis on screen. I personally think he did a good job. A lot of people say he was overacting, but I feel like that was the whole point of his character. And people act like his character was a bit two-dimensional. But again, I think his character was supposed to be two-dimensional. People are acting like he's supposed to be as complex as Daniel Day-Lewis's Daniel. But he's just not supposed to be that. I think he's just simply supposed to be just this extremely religious preacher boy is just so religious that he comes across as almost a caricature. However, I genuinely believe that there would be people like this guy. So me personally, I think the performance from Paul Dano was good. Do I think there could have been someone who did a better job? I mean, sure, but I think he's perfectly fine, and I don't think he deserves to be as overlooked and as hated on for this role as he seems to get on the internet. I, I just don't think that's, that's deserving at all. Uh, the kid, who plays HW, I don't know his actual name, uh, but he was fantastic in this film. Very, very good. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed that kids often are just dreadful on screen, and this kid was really, really good. There wasn't any time where I went, oh, that was a cheesy delivery or anything like that. So while he's not the greatest actor in the world or something, but he's very, very good, and he does his job perfectly, in my opinion. The rest of the cast does a perfectly fine job as well, but everyone else is so much more of a minor character in comparison to those three. The directing and cinematography of this movie is so technically brilliant and very, very formal. So it's, it's, it's very crisp and it's designed to be almost blending into the background and it creates this almost artistic sort of picturesque shots throughout the movie like of the hills in that beginning sequence when he's down mining on his uh, on his own looking for gold i think it was or maybe it was silver no i think maybe it was silver and then of course in the magnificent set pieces with the uh, burning of the oil on the uh, gas and the explosion to put the uh, fire out oh god that looks good ridiculously good and then I think the most underappreciated thing about this movie is the music. The music is so strange. Um, Johnny Greenwood, who did the score from Radiohead, fantastic. It's so odd. Like, it, every time it's sort of blare, and every it was so 
It was so strange. And I've always wondered whether the Shutter Island score somewhat took a bit of inspiration for this. Because in Shutter Island, it's not the same sounds, but it's got this sort of same way they're trying to create tension and uneasiness in the viewer, I feel like, like with the blaring foghorns from the um, boat in the beginning of Shutter Island or whatever. I wonder if they took a bit of inspiration from that because it seems to be very similar in Shutter Island, although not as good, obviously, to There Will Be Blood score. Another thing that a lot of people talk about in this movie is the Daniel, as in the character Daniel, like, I hate that he's got the same name as the actor. The, so Daniel in the movie has no love for his kid. I, I, I don't think that's true. I think he actually does love his kid. I think that all that stuff at the end of the movie where he's telling him he doesn't love him and he's just this, that, and the other, I think that was just because he was so hurt by the fact that he was going to then compete against him and that he was going to leave him. And I genuinely think he felt remorse for abandoning his kid partway through the movie. And he seemed genuinely upset abandoning him, and then he seemed genuinely sorry and ashamed of himself when he brings him back. I think it's way too simplistic to say he just didn't love his kid. I, I don't think it's as simple as that. I think he's just a highly complicated man who does not have a good control over his emotions in relationship to his desire as a sort of capitalist and his obsession with power and money. And the reason I thought that I always thought that he was just using the kid uh, for the face and for helping him to grow his business and gain him access into different avenues that maybe he wouldn't have got into if he was just some rich guy showing up places is because someone says that at the beginning of the movie so then later when the kid loses his hearing and the father seems to almost immediately pull back from his love for him somewhat and abandon him and because the brother or what he thinks is the brother shows up and then he starts to use him as this sort of what HW I think was being brought up to be as his sort of uh, business counterpart so I think that's also why he f why he feels so betrayed by the guy pretending to be his brother because his plans for this perfect business partner keep getting foiled and it's clear that he's extremely obsessed with control and wanting everything to play out exactly how he wants it to now while that could be a long shot that's actually what made me think that that was the reason for the kid in the first place and that's why he actually wanted one at all I love the ending the ending has to be one of the funniest scenes. I don't know if it's intentionally funny or not, but it's just such a funny scene. The whole thing with the milkshake and then your brother this, brother that. Oh God, it's hilarious. I also like how Paul Thomas Anderson is a lot cleverer than someone who would have just taken these themes of religion and the battle of how it talks about the battle, you know, for oil and how it maybe can translate over to what was happening in Iraq at the time and all this type of stuff. It doesn't beat you over the head with it. Some people would just put it just sort of at the forefront of the film. It's like what they do with the female empowerment thing at the moment so like i've got a problem with female empowerment but maybe be a bit a bit cleverer than or oh, it'd be better if a woman wore it like in that batman thing like oh god be a bit smarter please you are paid to write for a job please learn how to write something a bit cleverer than just something that's smacking the viewer over the head with the most derivative and simplified way of thinking about things it's just exhausting whereas in this film paul thomas anderson is actually extremely intelligent and writes a script in which it has all of these themes these political and religious ideas and their conflict and this that and the other it's all done so well that you actually engage with the ideas so whether you agree or disagree on the political ideas or the religious ideas it allows you to interpret it yourself and think about it yourself it's not paul thomas anderson's opinion being shoved down your throat for two and a half hours and i know i praised the plot and the narrative however that is not the focal point of this movie and what i've noticed in a couple of uh, paul thomas anderson's movies is that he seems to put character development much higher in his sort of ranking of what's important in a movie and that's what makes it so good the character development of daniel is it's next it's just next level like i haven't seen many movies that can make me so intrigued in a character and how complex he can be like this character daniel is so complex and so interesting to watch that i whether you like the narrative or not surely you're invested in the character growth of this man now over the years and people i've talked to 
they've told me about how sort of the beating of Eli at the end, which, like I said, is actually quite funny to me, um, is a parallel to the brothers of Cain and Abel, where one brother killed the other, and that's why Eli was always, like, screaming brother, 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 which I thought was just because, you know, he's a priest or whatever, but it's supposed to have this sort of double meaning. I personally didn't know that because I'm not a religious person, uh, per se, so I didn't actually really know the story. So I didn't actually pick up on that at first. So whether that's true or not, I can't say, but I think it probably is true because people who seem to know that story quite well tell me that, that that's what they're, they're doing there. So that was also quite interesting to think about for me because, I, like I said, I'm just completely unaware of the story, really. And it makes perfect sense because this film has a hell of a lot of relig religious themes in it. And I love at the end how... Uh, Daniel makes Eli claim that God isn't real and all this stuff at the end because doing that for Eli was similar for Daniel saying that God is real and asking for forgiveness and all that stuff that he had to do in a church that Eli made him do. It was quite nice to see it the other way around because it sort of hit me differently. When when, they, when Eli was making Daniel do it, I was sort of just like, you know, whatever, this is, this is sort of deserving of his character because he is kind of an evil dude, let's be honest, and quite an awful guy actually. Whereas when he then made Eli do it, and it's really the same type of uncomfortable feeling that they both get from it, claiming something and screaming something at the top of their lungs that they just genuinely don't believe in. I find it found very different in that context. And that was very interesting for me as well, because I'm not actually religious. So I was surprised that I found the religious guy screaming that God isn't real, far more sort of, I wouldn't say interesting, but far more sort of confronting almost to how I didn't even care when Daniel was being made to scream that he believes in God and that he has to repent for his sins when he doesn't actually believe in him. I don't know if that's a common thing for people, but I just found that aspect of the movie surprisingly interesting to me. And then how he was screaming, I'm the third revelation, and all that stuff. It was just... I, I just genuinely found some of the moments in this movie so funny. And then, of course, like I'm about to, uh, at the end of the movie, where he goes, I'm finished. That is absolutely fantastic, and I love the way the movie ended on that. That was just so perfect. It's just the most perfect ending to this movie and to Daniel's character. And I like how his... I guess it's his butler or something. Almost doesn't even care that there's a dead body there. It could be that he didn't notice the body yet, but I feel like he noticed the body, but he's somewhat used to the reckless behavior of Daniel. And it could also allude to the fact that Daniel's actually killed plenty of other people while in the company of this uh, colleague. But anyway, I probably rambled on about this movie for far too long at this point. So if you're still watching, thank you. Overall, I'd give this movie an easy A+, just easily an A+. And I'd put it somewhere in my top 10 movies um, since maybe 2000 for sure. I'm not sure if it'd be in my top 10 movies of all time, but I think it would be. I think, you know, actually, I think it would be if I think about it. But, oh, God, this movie is good. And, like I said, it deserved to win Best Picture, I think, just as much as No Country for Old Men. And if this had won Best Picture over No Country for Old Men, I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have complained. Um, fantastic movie. Thanks for watching, guys. I'm finished.